The Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives here in B.C. is out with a new report today entitled Winding Down B.C.'s Fossil Fuel Industries. This report digs into how the province needs to phase out its fossil fuel industries by 2050 if it's going to meet emissions targets. I'm joined now by lead author of this report, Mark Lee. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time. Hi, good morning. So, just from an overall sense, I guess, you know, what is the point of this paper? I just want to give everyone kind of a nice summary of what this whole thing is about, uh, you know, trying to get ourselves off of these fossil fuel dependencies that we currently have in our province of B.C. You know, why is this so important? Yeah, well, so I I think, uh, you know, there's been talk about uh, climate action for, you know, more than 10 years uh, in B.C. Um, Most of that action tends to focus on, uh, you know, buildings and housing and transportation on the other side. Uh, Not that much talks about uh, industry, and in particular, uh, B.C.'s fossil fuel export industries. Uh, So we export coal from the southeast uh, of the province in the Kootenays. Uh, We export a lot of natural gas uh, from the northeast uh, of the province Uh, and you know right now like talking about uh, phasing out those industries to be in line with the Paris Agreement you know so that we essentially they would be at zero or close to zero by 2050 is kind of politically uh, unthinkable Um, and we think that's irresponsible that politicians need to be talking about this and need to be leading the conversation uh, among the public so really the report uh, is out there trying to start what we think is a necessary conversation Uh, We try to talk about what the main pillars of a managed wind-down framework would be so that we minimize the impacts on workers and communities uh, and we maintain a strong economy going forward. So, I mean, you, you, I think you kind of touched on it there in your initial response, just, you know, why this is such almost a, a taboo subject to have when, when talking from a political landscape. It's, you know, a lot of uh, people rely on these fossil fuel industries, if you will, to, to support their livelihood um, and probably not something that is uh, overly exciting for politicians to talk about when saying we need to get away from these, uh, these types of, of industries and these types of jobs which do employ a lot of people and, and pay a lot of people quite well. So, um, you know, just almost something that you feel the need to, to bring forward just to launch pad a conversation because it seems to be something that a lot of people would be sidestepping when talking about industry itself. Um, yeah, and I think, I think you're right that, you know, politicians have not wanted to, to talk about this. Um, um, and, you know, I think it's challenging when you think about, okay, how do we get down to, you know, zero emissions by, uh, by 2050 and how do we plan for that? I think if we don't start talking about it, that change is going to be coming anyways. Uh, so you can imagine uh, five or ten years from now, um, Asian governments, because of, of uh, you know, disasters that happen due to climate change, you know, declare ambitious new uh, climate plans uh, that basically uh, dramatically reduce their imports of uh, BC's fossil fuel um, exports, uh, coal and, and our gas. So, you know, to some extent that change is coming. And the question is, do we want to plan and get out ahead of it? Or do we want to just do nothing and then react after the fact? Part of the report does recommend, you know, that BC begin investing 2% of the province's GDP on an annual basis to the transition, um, which in 2019, the report says equals about $6 billion. So, I mean, 
that sounds small when we're talking about the percentage, right? 2% of the GDP to put towards basically investing in, in green economy. That seems like a reasonable figure. But when you put it into the context of dollars and say we're going to spend $6 billion a year um, on this transition, that makes it sound a little bit more challenging, I suppose. So uh, just from that perspective of that figure, um, you know, is that a tough sell, do you think? Well, you know, I think governments can be uh, very uh, uh, you know, tight with the purse strings when it comes to uh, uh, provincial budgets. Um, you know, we need public investment and uh, private investment uh, at, at play here in order to make the transition. And, and But fundamentally, the challenge is shifting away from uh, ongoing new investments to grow the fossil fuel sector towards alternative green investments in uh, renewables and other types of green infrastructure, and also things like green mediation of old coal mines and uh, gas wells uh, and that type of thing. So it would be a kind of a mix of public and, and private money. BC's total economy is uh, $300 billion. So uh, in that context, you know, it's, it's only uh, 2%. So it's, can, can, we, can we spare two cents out of every dollar of income we have uh, in order to build a sustainable economy for the future? Uh, I'd like to believe uh, that we can uh, and that in doing so, we will actually, you know, create a lot of good jobs in the transition. And it, the report also calls for, for a, you know, a moratorium or a temporary ban on new fossil fuel leases. Um, it, that almost seems like it's something that uh, could be could be difficult here in BC when we're a province, you know, that's talking about pipelines and we're talking about oil industry and, um, you know, the almost growth of those sectors here in, in British Columbia at this point in time. So to put a moratorium on new fossil fuel leases seems like something that might be not only challenging, but almost impossible given the work that's going on here in BC right now. Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. I mean, if you look at the, the BC budget from last month, uh, they are planning for a, a 26% increase in gas production uh, over the next three years. Uh, and that is, I think, completely inconsistent with um, what our commitments uh, under uh, the Paris uh, Agreement. Uh, it's also bad economics right now. There's a glut of, of gas uh, across North America and worldwide. Uh, the revolution known as fracking, where you sort of inject water and sand and chemicals a couple kilometers below the surface to crack uh, gas that's trapped in, in shale rock and bring it up. It's been so successful that prices are now at levels where companies themselves aren't making very much money. Uh, and in fact, in the U.S., we're seeing you know, billions of dollars of, of write-downs on the books of, of, of those companies. So to some extent, the marketplace is already starting to do this. What we're doing in B.C. is that we are actually subsidizing the development of those resources um, because we are not uh, taking the full uh, royalty payments that we should as the owners of that public uh, resource. Uh, we are giving all of these credits uh, against future royalties uh, for deep well drilling and infrastructure and, and all of the other investments associated uh, with fracking. So, uh, you know, a moratorium on new leases, uh, you know, simply makes sense in the context of trying to get to, um, you know, zero emissions by, by mid-century. Now, w one of the quotes that I have from you here is saying, you know, transition is going to happen whether we like it or not. If we start planning now, we can ensure that no one is left behind. So I think that's easy enough for people to understand, right? If, if uh, you know, 
we we can either we can either go ahead and start taking action now, um, and whether we do it or not now, I mean the consequences are going to come as a result. So, um, trend like like I said, transition is going to happen whether we like it or not. So, with that in mind, are you know are there a lot of examples out there of other places that are taking these steps and moving towards that greater economy? Is there somewhere that BC can look to to say that's an example of how we here in this province can move forward with taking these kinds of steps? Sure. I mean, I mean, first of all, I would say that, you know, we have a lot of experience with unjust transition. So, you know, a decline in commodity prices or, or you know, restructuring made at corporate headquarters far away from British Columbia uh, can close down a mill and throw workers uh, out of work. And then, and then again, we're reacting after the fact. So the idea of a, a just transition is to have like a managed framework where we plan and, if anything, help smooth out those uh, commodity cycles so that they're fairer, um, you know, overall, irrespective of, of things like climate change. Uh, I think in terms of positive examples, uh, Alberta uh, actually brought in uh, a just transition planning framework for its workers uh, producing coal for electricity. So as part of its commitment to phase out uh, coal-fired uh, electricity generation, uh, they tabled uh, you know, $45 billion uh, package uh, to uh, invest in workers and, and those communities. Uh, another one that's um, that's held up as a uh, as a model is Spain. Uh, the Spanish government uh, made a, a deal with the the largest uh, uh, union representing coal workers uh, for a whole um, you know multi billion um, dollar transition package. You know that included um, you know various reemployment and um, uh, retraining opportunities um, and community level development, um, uh, retirement provisions. You know all of these things. I think um, are are not just sort of theoretical anymore. They're actual real-world um, policy that you can point to and learn from. Now, Mark, I, I want to ask you specifically, you know, as you've put this report together and, and you know, you helped author this whole thing and, and you know, you went through a, a lot of research and, and looked around a lot of different examples of, of places that, uh, you know, are, are, like you had mentioned, Alberta and Spain is kind of some models that we can look to um, to kind of copy here in British Columbia. I'm just curious, you know, from you as an individual, I mean, are, are you worried about kind of where things are headed right now if these steps are not kind of taken into account uh, on a, on a a pretty swift basis are you, are you worried about kind of what the future of bc might look like if we don't start to take a little bit more action and a little bit more seriousness to this problem yeah, I think if you're not uh, worried, then then you're not paying enough attention. Um, you know, we've had a lot of wake-up calls over the last few years. Um, you know, Australia on fire uh, this past winter, I think, was probably the most recent example. But we've had our own forest fires. Now, last year, we kind of got off easy, but the the two previous summers, uh, you know, we had smoke and and impacts over BC. All of that cost a lot of money as well. You know, half a billion dollars uh, each of those years, and then you know. Who, it's hard to even say what the impacts were in terms of, of, of health and people with asthma and, uh, and that kind of stuff. So uh, that all of those things are only going to get worse over time if we don't um, get our act together. Um, I think we've had a lot of these wake-up calls. Um, I think, you know, if the impetus uh, is there and the political will is there, we can make change happen uh, fairly quickly. Uh, it's not fundamentally an economic or, or technical problem uh, for, for going ahead. Uh, it's really about uh, political will and, and uh, you know, I would argue a very powerful fossil fuel industry that has a disproportionate influence in the halls of power.
Oh, I 100% agree with everything you just said there. And yeah, if, if you're not worried about what's happening to our environment, uh, then yeah, I think you are somewhat living under a rock, right? You have to be aware that climate change is real and, and we need to take steps in order to reverse some of these uh, disasters that are happening more and more frequently as time goes on. But I mean, from an economic perspective here in BC, are you worried if we don't start taking some steps now to transition away from the dependence on the fossil fuel industry that BC could be suffering as a province in the not too distant future? Um, well, I mean, I think the reality is that the, the, the fossil fuel industries in BC are relatively small in terms of the, the total economy. Um, that's not to say they're not, um, you know, much more important regionally, you know, in the Kootenays for coal and in the Northeast uh, for gas. Um, but again, if we don't act and and plan now, then change may be imposed upon us uh, uh, down the road, and then we'll be reacting after the fact, um, and we won't be able to uh, have a just transition. So uh, th- that's why we're trying to have this conversation now. Um, you know, we want people to be able to, to talk about how we make this. Um, we want people to think that we're all in this together and that we're not going to leave anyone behind. Uh, and we talk about ways that we can pay for it and, and make that change happen. So it, this isn't the final word. I think it's the first um, it's the first salvo in a bigger conversation, uh, but it, it's definitely the conversation we need to be having as a province. Good stuff, Mark. I think that's about all I have for you right now. In terms of questions, I think I could probably go a little bit longer if we wanted to, but we're running out of time. I will give you one chance here, though. Anything else that you want to add that you uh, you think the, uh, the audience should know about here? Um, well, I mean, it, it's the, the politics of energy uh, transition are very challenging right now. Um, obviously, the coastal gas link is top of mind here in B.C., but uh, tech's decision to uh, pull its uh, frontier oil sands uh, mine because of potential conflict with uh, Canadian uh, climate policy, I, I think tells us that, you know, companies are starting to get it. Increasingly, we're seeing a divestment from um, uh, pension funds and foundations and, and other uh, players in the capital markets. Uh, in the U.K., we're seeing the, the U.K. government uh, basically not going ahead with a new runway for Heathrow Airport because that would be in conflict with our climate objectives. So, you know, we've been living in this place where we've been in conflict, um, on the one hand, saying extract more fossil fuels uh, with one ministry of the government and on the other ministry of the government saying we need to reduce our, 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 our carbon emissions and we can't have it both ways forever. So these conflicts are finally coming home to roost um, and so we need to have this conversation because um, you know there are risks of doing nothing and it's better to, to plan and think these things through ahead of time. Awesome stuff Mark. Well thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Lots of good information here and, and hopefully um, you know some people take the time to, to read it and, and heed the message and make some decisions here going forward as a result. I, I I appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. That was Mark Lee, Senior Economist at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, located, of course, at the BC office.